Welcome to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I guess I'm your other host, Javi. And we are finally here, ladies and gentlemen. This is it. This is the long-awaited episode uh, where we review Star Wars The Last Jedi. I could have waited a little longer. <laughs> um, I've really been looking forward to this conversation. This is it. After this... The next Star Wars movie that we're going to be discussing is actually going to be The Rise of Skywalker. And when we finally do that, the ghost of George Lucas will be sealed away by film forever and we'll never have to worry about him again. I mean, you're the one who said we wanted to do the Christmas special. I did. (laughs) (laughs) Which also would have helped super seal the ghost of George Lucas. (laughs) Um, So this movie came out in 2017... And uh, it's it's the way way back times of 2017. <laughs> so this was I don't know. It's 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 really weird. We're finally all caught up. You know, uh, Rise of Skywalker drops in what two three weeks. Yeah, like that's coming up. We're making plans to go watch it. Angel and I. I don't know. Did we go watch Last Jedi together? We did not. Yeah. Good. Because <laughs> I would have punched you right in the chest. No, I watched the Last Jedi with my wife. And I think when it came out, my wife was quite pregnant with our child. (laughs) Because she was literally born the month after we watched Last Jedi. Like, it's funny because there, I mean, I was about to say, what, are there degrees of pregnancy? And there is actual degrees of pregnancy. (laughs) But you make it sound like she was uber pregnant. (laughs) Well, it was her ninth month. She was ready to pop. I like how she's like over in this room just looking at me. Hey, like, you're the one talking about your wife here. So, yeah, uh, this movie, I have to admit, and I've said it since we began this show all the way back in January, this is one of the movies in this series that I like most. <laughs> um, I watched it twice. I actually watched it twice in theaters. Uh, The first time, obviously, my wife and I went to go see it together. But the second time that I watched it, um, my boss at work, there was a software company that wanted to do business with the firm that I work for. And they invited a lot of potential clients to a private screening of The Last Jedi. (laughs) This sounds like such an episode of the It Crowd. Just be like, Angel, don't fuck this up for us. And then you accidentally, like throw a bag of popcorn that like explodes everywhere and then someone just goes <laughs> no it's just funny because it's just randomly me and uh you know one of my friends that i work with like we were just invited by our boss to go you know watch this movie and he made it pretty clear that we had absolutely no desire to really do business with these people we were just taking the opportunity to have a bit of a team uh like an it team gathering outside of work i hate you <laughs> I wish my job did that. <laughs> so I have to say that I enjoyed it the second time just as much as I did the first time. Well, that makes one of us enjoy it <laughs> twice as much as the other. Didn't <laughs> uh, this movie is obviously the follow-up to The Force Awakens, which we talked about last in our last episode. And um, I... So my experience with this movie is unlike the last movie we watched in the Star Wars series, The Force Awakens... I watched this with another group of friends, and I remember... Oh, cool. Yeah, fuck you. (laughs) You didn't invite me. You took your pregnant wife. (laughs) And then you didn't invite me to the work one. 
<laughs> so whose fault is that? Continue. <laughs> so I went with another group of friends, and I remember we walking out of the movie theater, and I'm like, did I like this? And honestly, it's like the origin story of how Javi became Javi mm-hmm. of the podcast. And I was like, did I like this? And my friends were shitting on it super hard. And the thing to know, my friends are a bunch of shitlords. <laughs> and I really hope they hear this because I tell them this all the time. But they're shitlords that hate everything, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but are they right? <laughs> are they right? Am I the problem here? Do I kind I'm like, I think I like this. And I had to watch it again, and I didn't. And then I just read a bunch of like reviews on it, and I'm like, that did happen, or that didn't happen, and I don't know, that's why I had like a long time of coming to terms after watching this movie, it was like PTSD, and I'm like, did I, did I watch what I think I watched? Am I, like, you know, there was a lot of confusion, but, you know, at the end of the day, it was a Star Wars movie, and feelings aside, it could not actually kill my hype for The Rise of Skywalker. Although rewatching this movie, my my fury has increased and now knows no bounds again, <laughs> and um, now I'm furious all over again. Well, what's unique about this episode is obviously in all the buildup that we've done to this episode, it is very clear that this is one of those movies. Much like back when we did uh, Tokyo Drift a long time mm-hmm. ago, it's one of those movies that I love and that you hate with a passion but you know what's crazy about that is that this episode is a microcosm of the weird phenomenon that was brought up by this movie that's exactly why i was excited to get to this episode because because there's a lot of people that i know and just being on the internet there's a lot of people that dislike this movie a lot if you go on to rotten tomatoes i haven't checked yet but if you go on to rotten tomatoes between the audience score to the to the um to the reviewer's score, there's a difference of, like, almost 30 to 40%. Where, like, there's a lot of, like, film critics that enjoyed this movie. And a bunch of, like, a lot, big part of the fan base that didn't. <laughs> and I was, like, I had to read a bunch of think pieces to, like, kind of understand what that phenomenon is, right? Well, I'll put it to you this way. The audience score for The Last Jedi is 43%. And what's the what's the uh, critic score? The critics consensus or the tomato meter says ninety one percent. So it's like, how? <laughs> you know, like that just goes to, like the tomato meter is what factors in the uh, the critic scores. Yep, it's the average rating. So that means and you, there's four hundred and twelve fresh reviews to the forty two rotten that exist here. And that's on the critic side, right? Correct. So that goes to show you how fucking polarizing this movie is. And it's like, it's it, it, it's really interesting. Because I was reading this article and they were talking about how Last Jedi was the movie that had to happen. For the franchise to finally break away from the shell of the original trilogy. I agree with that. And, and that is part of the reason why I'm going to spend this episode arguing for Last Jedi. And that's why I'm going to spend part of this episode telling you you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's really interesting because this movie, it, honestly, it's kind of it, it tells us a lot about kind of how we how we take in content as well, you know, and how and it does really show how much 
some of us are what's uh, slaves to tradition i guess is the word for it how much well how much reverence we have for source materials and sometimes it's like sometimes i feel it's a little bit too much well that's the thing like i'm someone who even though i watched the prequels growing up my understanding and love for the star wars franchise comes a lot from my adult life and i didn't i don't have those you know Feelings that, like, you know, we talked in episode one where, where people talked about how they got their childhood raped by George Lucas. <laughs> Why do you keep saying that? <laughs> I don't, like, I don't have strong feelings for it in that way. Mm-hmm. I really loved Force Awakens and I thought it was a great movie. But when this movie came out and I got out of this movie, I the first thought leaving this movie that I had was, this really can't be the best one, can it? And... and- it's funny because I, I like really liked it and loved it when I first watched it, and then I got it on video and watched it, but it had been a while since I'd seen it, and obviously, as we've said in previous episodes, like normally December is when I like to marathon Star Wars movies, and this is the first year that I'm not doing that. Uh, because, because we're we were, doing this. Yeah. <laughs> but it was my first time watching Last Jedi in probably a year, and... Um, Finishing The Last Jedi this time, I feel even stronger about it than I did when I first watched it. And I can argue for this movie even more now. Alright, no one's going to take a precious movie away. Like, it's already there. (laughs) I'm going to be drawing a lot of parallels between this and mostly because I'm already watching it. But I'm going to draw a lot of parallels between the the Star Wars series and actually The Watchmen. Okay. Because mostly I'm watching the series right now. Check it out. It's on... uh, Sundays at like 8 o'clock Eastern? I don't fucking know. 10 o'clock Eastern? I don't know. You know what? Just watch it, it's right? HBO, so. It's on HBO. Yeah. You, you saw all you rich fuckers enjoy it. But yeah, it's The Watchmen is another you know piece of media that has a very slavish following. Where people love the source material. Hated the Zack Snyder like, you know, attempt at adaptation of the source material. And then the series has been much like Last Jedi, very polarizing. Where if you were just to take it as a Watchmen series, it's actually a fantastic Watchmen story. Yes. And like I can't talk about how much I love that show enough. But being a Watchmen fan, I can also see the dregs of the internet fandom and how they like drag it through the muck and mud same way with last jedi well the other thing that last jedi does that a lot of people don't like and people didn't like ray to begin with and and you know there were many people that felt a way about her when they saw her in force awakens was it because of her cockney accent (laughs) it was because she's a woman and because of the way she's portrayed in this. And Please, she, it was 2017. <laughs> it was a different time. She gets a lot more dislike coming out of this movie than you could have ever imagined. I blame Gamergate. And that actually, like, not even a joke. That is it. Like, her, the response to Ray and just kind of, like, the backlash to PC culture was one of those direct <laughs> results of Gamergate. If anyone, uh, you know... If we were more of a pop culture com- com- podcast, I was about to say conference, <laughs> I would go more into it. But yeah, um, like, yeah, all you need to know is Gamergate was a bunch of people that were mad that, like, this lady developer, game developer, had, uh, like, favorable reviews and 
she happened to have dated one of the guys that reviewed her game like years ago and then that led to this whole like campaign against women in the video game and pop culture industry like yeah and we're still feeling that to this day and, yeah. you know it's 2019 we we are leading up into the you know, hype of La- of Rise of Skywalker, and there's a lot of people where if you go into any message board or any kind of like comment section on a article that or trailer that's referencing this movie, people are having those complaints about Ray, and they're also having complaints about the character of Rose, who was introduced in this. <laughs> I'm gonna so, try my before- hardest to not be a piece of shit, and you know. Delve into problematic hobby territory <laughs> and do a very offensive Asian accent. <laughs> Most of <me>, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was just laughing from earlier. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, if we're getting into it now, the movie starts uh, with you know after the end of uh, Force Awakens, where they destroyed Star Killer Base, and uh, it begins. They shot their explosive goo all over <laughs> Star Killer Base. Well, it begins with the Resistance uh, getting, basically baiting uh, the character of Hux, who was in the last film, who... General Hugs? Yeah, (laughs) General Hugs in the last film, who was kind of, you know, featured, he was kind of considered a little bit of a goofball, but they kind of marvel him up in this movie more, uh, in that he's an even goofier villain uh, to start this movie off. Oh, they make the entire First (laughs) Order... A giant, <laughs> stupid bunch of goof asses. Yeah, <clears throat> but this begins with the whole jokey back and forth between Poe and Hux, uh, where Poe is essentially trying to draw the First Order out so that they could. Uh, I guess they're 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 trying to make some headway in this war here, and they get the opportunity to destroy a giant ship, which is referred to as a dreadnought. It's a big ass ship. Is all you need to know. It makes star destroyers look like little bitch ships. Uh, immediately being well, introduced, Hux obviously is much more of a goofball. He's to be taken not seriously at all. Uh, what? And- <laughs> did, am I, did I misread that? Because I thought the thing was he he was trying super hard to be taken serious. Well, that's what I'm saying. But the audience is not going to take him seriously. Yeah, they and fucking- neither does Poe. Well, yeah, he turn he fucking does his best Groucho Marx impression, <laughs> and Poe Poe like uh, he's still in his. In- and he even throws in a Yo Mama joke. <laughs> I was like, fuck yeah. Well, it's funny because it's not that different from the Poe in Force Awakens because Force Awakens starts with him and Kylo Ren looking at each other, and then he goes, "Which one of us is gonna talk first? Are you gonna talk first, or do I talk first? Mm-hmm. Right? This is just like." Turning that up to 11, as opposed to where it was before. I know, all he needs is the fucking googly glasses that <laughs> Groucho Marx wears and has, like, a fake cigar. Uh, so we are, yeah, again, we are introduced to Poe and BB-8. Uh, they destroy the cannons on this dreadnought ship, and they are, they're, I guess, a serious... So, the, the premise of this film is that there's the resistance is much smaller than it was previously. So, yeah, the thing is, the resistance is on... No, no, alright, before I go into that, what do you think the timeline of this film is? Not that much longer after Force Awakens. It can't be, right? Yeah. Because Rey is immediately on the same planet as Luke, and so you're, you're left to assume that 
they immediately attack the resistance. By they, I mean the First Order. Immediately it launches a counter-assault on the resistance. kind of fucks them up, right? Mm-hmm. So, it's crazy to me that, like, so much happens in such a short amount of time. I'll get into that as the movie progresses. But yeah, like you were saying, the resistance is actually really small compared to what we first expected. Before, it used to be an entire coalition of planets. But the problem was that Starkiller, I think it happened? The Starkiller base destroyed a lot of the planets and the Senate was destroyed, which had apparently come back after the... After the end of... So, at the end of Return of the Jedi, by the time we get to Force Awakens, there's a Senate again. Uh, uh, you but, know what's awesome is we never see them. That's kind of cool. Well, we saw them die yeah. in, in Force Awakens. <laughs> yeah, as all politicians should. So, now we're living in a world again where there is no Senate anymore, and the First Order is in charge of the galaxy. I guess? Yeah. So, it's like you beat them back, and then... They immediately take control again after you take control. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, I'm, I'm not here to nitpick either. <laughs> well, but, so, so... So, okay. So Poe comes up with this master plan of firebombing, using bombers to destroy the Dreadnought where they, when they're very clearly in space. Um, to which Leia forces him to... Or, you know, she encourages him to break off and retreat... Uh, Poe being a big crazy cowboy guy, a flyboy <laughs> pilot, as Laura Dern refers to him later, mm-hmm. says, fuck that, we're gonna attack. Anyway. And the plan continues. And now, mind you, this is actually a really big operation. They have like six bombers, and they have an entire contingent of these, uh, of the, of the, of the fighters, right, being able to protect the bombers. Much like what we were seeing in the Star Wars prequels that we were talking about, the uh, Star Wars story spin-off Like with Rogue One, yeah. This was a war scene. Yeah. And again, it, what I really love about this scene is that it gives so much stakes to what we saw in Force Awakens. And Force Awakens is a movie that ends with a lot of optimism in that Rey finds Luke... And it's it seems like, you know, that the First Order can be defeated by the Resistance. And this one, much like when we watched Empire Strikes Back some time back, it is going to kind of make the... It's, it's going to get bleaker in a lot of ways. This movie, the running theme about this movie is failure. And the Resistance fails every step of the way until the very end. And I actually really like that, and I think it was really cool. The re- one of the one of my main sticking points with this movie is that the failure wasn't because they were bested. The failure was that the resistance is just super incompetent. And if in it wasn't, way? if it wasn't for the fact that the first order is much more fucking incompetent, they should have been destroyed a long time ago. Okay, so how is, the, how, is, how is the Resistance incompetent? First example of incompetence on the Resistance part. Leia Organa is a very well-respected military mind. And she says, hey, break off the assault. You mean to tell me half of the Resistance left says, fuck you, Leia, we're going to do this anyway? If, and I if, thought that was ridiculous. Well, I hey. thought it was ridiculous that Leia ha- didn't have enough leadership 
to the to you know ex- exude control over this entire operation. I thought that whole thing was stupid. But guess what? It's it for turns the tide in the war if they're actually able to destroy this thing. I am very much on Poe's side about this. Oh, you are stupid. I am so much on his side. About but you know what? This. The reason why I'm okay with writing it off is because again, it's the point of failure. You want to know why? Because to me, one of the important themes of this movie is that old Star Wars cast that you liked. We loved them before. They were younger. It was a different time. Those movies are great. There's nothing like them. This is the movie where now we are transitioning out of those old characters into these new characters. Yeah. Leia is someone who is unfortunately, because of the age that she's in and because of the different type of because of the different type of war that this is compared to what existed before with the Empire in the original trilogy. This is a different kind of war. The rules have changed. The world has changed in all this time. And it's much like we see. Like, any time that you look in politics and stuff like that, once a lot of years and decades go by, those old politicians that did things the old way, it doesn't work anymore. And that's when you need new... It's like a youth movement. This movie is, is, is about a youth Yeah, and guess movement. what happens when the youth take over, people die. So no, vote Republican. <laughs> no, the point is, and that's not even part of the problem. Like I get, I get that you have to write it so that they fail, right? It just seems really stupid to me that all of a sudden the resistance would break ranks that fucking hard to the point where because they, like, it's a failed attempt for the most part. Well, we well, also don't Leia, know. We also don't know to the degree. Of people that they have lost. Like again, it felt like a much greater resistance in episode 7. By now, there are much less people than there were in the last film. So when you lose enough people in a war, at some point you are going to start taking chances. And I think Or that's you conserve of who you have. Like I'm also not I'm also not a fucking military mind, so I'm not going to sit here and tell you what you should and shouldn't do in combat. Says the guy that has never been in combat ever in his <laughs> life. But I'm just saying, like it just seemed it seemed really ridiculous to me. And the whole point was that they have a plan and Poe broke away from it, and then she was and then when he eventually comes back and they're all excited because they killed the dreadnought and Leia's like, yeah, but you a lot of people died killing the dreadnought. And then immediately when they start getting attacked again, you know, they have that back and forth. She's like, oh, you just wanted to go out there and blow stuff up. And then it's like, you know, you reprimand him for going him down and doing it. And then, like, as soon as they're attacked, he's like, permission to go blow stuff up. She's like, permission granted. And I'm like, so the thing you were just mad about him, you're going to encourage him to go do now. Because he succeeded. Because it's shitty writing. That is my big thing with this movie. How my you, biggest okay, gripe well, what's with a good this way to is do this the What's movie? a good way to fix this conflict then? But I, I don't know. I'm again. I'm not a fucking like writing guy. I'm not some sort of movie writer. I'm not a good script writer. But all I'm saying is that this, the way this is handled, it just seems a little bit ridiculous because they're trying to create. They're trying to create drama. I get that. The whole th- the whole point, like I said earlier, is which about works, them failing. Which is absolutely but effective. Stupid, it, though. It is, there are real it stakes re- attached it to it. It only works because it requires you to suspend a lot of disbelief. 
That is what this a lot of this hinges on. This entire series requires you to suspend a lot of disbelief. Oh, that's just the fucking cop out though, because we're talking about logically how this should go. Like, it's stupid. Fuck it. Go. Keep going. <laughs> keep talking about your stupid shit movie. <laughs> no, I mean again, it is a fantastic action scene. I loved every second of it. Uh, the cast is superb. Hey, guess what? We finally have Asian people inside of Star Wars for the first time. It's like now. It's like. In the in the prequel trilogy, we had Jimmy Smith, and we found out that Mexican people are in space. And then the next one in Force Awakens, we see Finn is there, and we see that oh, you know, besides Sam Jackson, there are other black people in space. And now we have Asian characters, and it feels like a world that more closely resembles the world we live in. Yeah, it's opening up. I'm not denying that. I'm not, and I'm not arguing that you're not that you're saying you know that that's not important. But what I do appreciate. Is that we do have these characters like like Paige Tico, who is Rose's sister, who we're introduced to in this scene, and she was one of the pilots on the bomber ship. And, uh, you know, it's a very dramatic scene that feels like it has lots of weight. You know what would have made it more dramatic? If Paige would have, you know, right after Leia was like, hey, Poe, get your ass back here. If Paige would have gotten on the comms and be like, fuck her, we're with Poe. And then a bunch of the bombers are like, yeah, we're with Poe. And then all of a sudden, you got this whole subsection of the rebellion that's like, yeah, we agree. We love Poe. Oh, God, we all died. You know, like, I think that would have created no drama. It would have explained away, hey, not just we're going to have an entire military operation go against what the general wants. That sounds like an awful idea. I'm so glad you're not a scriptwriter. I'm glad you're not, because if you think this script is good, you need to get a, a life, buddy. Oh, great. I don't know where I was going oh, with that. Oh, excellent insult. Well, yeah, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to cuss at you? <laughs> um, after we get past this scene is when we are reintroduced to the character of Finn, who is like... In this hot tub suit. He's in a hot tub time machine suit. (laughs) It reminds me of that episode of The Simpsons where Milhouse becomes an actor and his mom is wearing a jacuzzi suit. (laughs) That is exactly what I thought of when I saw Finn in this. And, you know, they make the gag of, you know, Finn naked in a... Finn is naked in like a, you know, in a water suit or something like that. Oh, you know Poe Dameron had the vapors when he said (laughs) that? He was like, ooh. He's like, you're talking about... Finn naked in a Well, he got excited. He's he's a Finn buddy. And he goes up and he gives him like a big old hug. He got a little bit too excited. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I'd get really excited if "Mm -hmm." I saw him and I was Poe. I know. I'm just saying. If they would have... They could have totally been engaged for each other. It would have been awesome. Handsome men. Like, you know, being sexy with each other. Come on. (laughs) Who's not here for that? (laughs) Handsome men. Why'd you bite your lip when you said that? (laughs) Um, once we get through the introduction of Finn, Finn is not that he's a different character in this film. Fuck no, he's not a different (laughs) character. His arc is the exact same. But, 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 I do feel like by the end of this film, he really is part of the resistance. More than I felt he was a part of the resistance in the last one. I just can't wait for the, you know, Rise of Skywalker where it's him just like... 
packing his bags and be like, we gotta go, we gotta leave. Because <laughs> that's his whole fucking arc in this movie, too, is just he's, he's looking for any chance to leave. Well, we kind of said that with Han, too, right? Like, that Han is the guy who doesn't really want to be involved with all Yeah, and that's people. perfectly fine, except he did it in the last movie, and he does it in this movie. Well, Han does a lot of that in the second film, uh, I guess, as well. Actually, it's a little different. Nah, but at that point, he takes a little bit more leadership. Sure. What I do like about it is that Finn kind of falls backwards into this because he meets the character of Rose while trying to escape the ship. Again, much like Han. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, Rose is, you know, I guess the word has gotten around of what, you know, of what Finn, Ray, and Poe did in the last film. And he is someone who people respect around here. And he's like, no! <laughs> Thank you! <laughs> yeah, well, it's like, you know, she worships him like a hero. And, uh, you know, that then she finds out that he's actually trying to leave, and that's when she, like, tranks him, right? Oh, no, she, like, electrocutes him. <laughs> yeah. It's like a weird space taser. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I definitely appreciate the character of Finn and the introduction that we get for him here. But the part that I'm obviously waiting for, and everyone's waiting for, is what's going to happen with Luke and Ray because that is exactly where we left off in the last film. Well, before we jump into that, a couple things that are really key that goes on here. Is the introduction of the 18-hour time limit. Yes. Now. I love this. show you sh- No, I love this because sh- in film... Shut your goddamn mouth. No, in film it is very important in a lot of movies with stakes that you set up what they call the ticking clock, right? Yeah. So no, then- I agree. That is important. But you know what? You could have set the ticking clock and not had what happens next happen. All right. And it would have been a lot better or maybe if you would have put a realistic timestamp, that would have been better or maybe you wanted your your ticking clock to be the amount of hyperspace jumps you have left you know there there's plenty of things you could have done but you've locked yourself into 18 hours and that's all you get and to think that the rest of this film takes place in 20 hours is again one of those things of suspension of disbelief. Uh, it's a movie in space, all right. It's a movie about like space pixies that shoot lightning out of their hands, all right. Like I get it. There's gonna be a lot of suspension of disbelief no matter what. But it's just when you really put the 18 hours on there, you really are constraining yourself to make your audience believe everything takes place in those 18 hours. I think it's very possible that it takes place in that amount of time. I also think that the that is not the only purpose of this film. Obviously, this movie is titled The Last Jedi. So a good chunk of what is important in this film is the meeting. So, so it takes 18 hours to train The Last Jedi. Well, how quickly did Luke learn how to become a Jedi? It took him way longer than fucking 18 hours, I can tell you that. I feel like it took like a day for him to learn all this shit. Which is still more than 18 hours. (laughs) Actually, regardless, it's like, this is the thing. Another problem that I have... No, and here's the thing. I know, I have a a gigantic problem with everyone who criticizes the character of Rey for learning the Force and learning how to become a Jedi so quickly when that's exactly what happened with Luke. Luke just happened to be someone who was susceptible to this and understood how to do it. It's it's not different. It is it the is same. It is different, though. Because the thing is, they also have... Guess what happens? Guess what happens? He leaves training, remember? 
and fucking Empire Strikes Back, your favorite movie, he leaves the training, and what happens? He gets his shit kicked in because he sucks and he's a little crybaby bitch. And then the amount of time from I forgot how long how much time passes from episode five to six. Well, they, they, but Ray, he goes back to training. Ray's doing something similar in that she is beginning training with Luke. And this is the part where this movie does again. One of the reasons why I really like this movie is it subverts expectations. The expectation at the end of Force Awakens is that now that they found Luke Skywalker, he's going to train Rey to become a Jedi, and they're going to start the Jedi Order all over again, and it's going to be something, you know, whatever, right? This is very different. Now what she finds when she sees Luke is someone who doesn't want to be bothered. Mm -hmm. He throws the lightsaber immediately, which is like a laugh moment from everyone in the theater, because you're just like, wow, I absolutely did not expect him to do that. You get the reintroduction of Chewie with uh, with Luke. You find out that Han is dead, and it changes again. It is it it is a different world than what you thought was going to happen in Force Awakens, and it's all the better for it. No, not necessarily. Okay. Explain. That being said, though, what I did, I one of the few things I don't have a problem with is actually Luke's arc. Because if you're staying with the theme of if you're staying within the theme of failure. He is the biggest failure of out of everybody in this cast. And the Jedi failed once before. Well, oh, the, the Jedi the, failed a lot. The pre- I think yeah, exactly. The prequel trilogy ends with the Jedi failing. They are awful. Luke comes back and brings the Jedi back. They are still awful. So obviously again, this only, movie is telling you that the Jedi well, does the only, not need to return. The only way that Luke actually succeeds is when he breaks away from the Jedi teachings right and you know it's actually realistic it's somebody that went through it's 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 about somebody that went through a trauma went through something hard went through something difficult lost lost probably one of the most important people in their lives in in the sense that he could not train ben he could not be you know he couldn't be what ben needed him to be as far as a mentor goes and now he's just bitter and and scared and I I thought that was really cool. Yes. I thought that was very different from the Luke that we were used to and the Luke that we'd seen by uh, by original trilogy's end. You know, Mark Hamill's performance is the best thing about this film. I agree with that. Yeah, I'll agree with you on that. And I I felt that they did a, they handled his character really good. It's just the script really dropped the ball on a lot of other things. Okay, like. I mean, I was going to go there when we get there as far as the story goes. All right. Well, this... Okay. So, in this one, we now what we have... <laughs> Unless you want to just jump around. Well, we're seeing Luke's day-to-day experience out there where he's, like, drinking that green titty milk. And Ew. he's... And he's... He's, like, jumping over these, like, canyons. He's, like, fishing with a big-ass, like, 20-foot pole. He's essentially an old hermit, right? Like, he has secluded himself from the world, wants absolutely nothing to do with civilization... Um, purposefully made it difficult for anyone to find him and does not feel like he ever wants to train anyone in, in Jedi, like, you know, how to be a Jedi ever again. Mm-hmm. And Rey is a character who I like a lot more in this film than I, than I did in the last film. Mm-hmm. I think she's a lot more of a well-rounded character. What she's looking for is more fleshed out 
She is someone who's looking for a purpose as opposed to the last film where she was like all she was interested in doing was going back to Jakku. Like this is because a- her parents. She's yeah. waiting on her parents, right? But this movie, I, and you know what? This one of the this part of the film is actually where it doesn't the ball doesn't get dropped between when it comes to Ray and Luke. It's the opinion. best subplot of the film, and it is like the most coherent. <laughs> it's the best. And I think it really does give you a lot of motive. It's it's the subplot you need to marry the the old trilogy to the new trilogy, right? Or to the old part of Star Wars to new Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, in these scenes is when you see that she does get tempted to the dark side. Um, much like every other Skywalker and Jedi before her. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's that. They have that scene where she, where, where Luke, does the first lesson with her, where she has to learn to feel right. And he's like, reach out, and she sticks her hands out, and he's like, what do you feel? And she goes, oh, oh and then just gets smacked. Are you gonna do your Ray impression again? Oh yeah, I feel the air and the and the water, sir. <laughs> Ah, and then just smacks, and then he's like, "Oh, you meant reach out with me, reach out with me, brain, reach out with me, Nolgan, You say?" <laughs> and then you know that's when she like starts understanding the duality, right? Yes. Uh, between life and death, like she talks about life and decay. She balance, about- which is a lot of what these films talk about, is that for everything that you have, you know, you have the light and the dark, and that's a lot of what Star Wars is about is balance. Mm-hmm. And then. You know, she talks about the warmth of being out in the sun, but then immediately goes to the cold and the dark of the cave and um, just shoots straight there. And then, you know, you have that awesome that awesome uh, reaction from Mark Hamill where Luke gets scared and he's like, you didn't even try. And let's give Mark Hamill a lot of credit because we only saw him in essentially a cameo in episode 7. But Mark Hamill, before this film came about... <laughs> was a guy who was doing voiceover work for 30 years. Mm -hmm. Like, this guy was not in movies. No. And this was an opportunity for him to finally come back in a live-action film on the big screen, and I think he knocks it out of the park here. Easily. You know, he he just... You know, his he's a very underrated actor, and I think it's because he's been babyface Luke, and he was so iconic in so many people's childhoods. I'll put it to you this way. There's another film that I hope we review at some point that 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 is in the vein of this and those those Lego sequel kind of deals, and that is <laughs> not to the same degree because obviously he was a lot more of a dramatic actor and he got a, nominated for an Academy Award for it. But if you watch uh, Sylvester Stallone come back as Rocky Balboa in Creed, you know he he went from the young fighter in the original series in the original film. Uh, with Burgess Meredith as his trainer, to by the time you get to Creed, he is no longer fighting and he is now the old trainer. And that's what we have with Luke. Luke is now in, has now been firmly placed into the Obi-Wan role. And we have Rey that is fully entrenched in the Luke role. And the role that Anakin Skywalker was in before then. And much like Rocky, he is old and bitter and doesn't want to do this. He is the begrudging... Uh, he's the begrudging mentor. Not like Obi-Wan, who actually wanted to be a mentor twice. You know, he he Luke does not want anything sure, to do with Rey. But Obi-Wan also is 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 exiled by the end of the prequel trilogy. So it's not totally unrelated. Wait, what? It's not totally different. Like, no, I mean, I'm not, like yeah, Obi-Wan Obi-Wan at no, the end. No, it of is the different. 
Because he takes on Luke as an apprentice way faster than Luke takes on Rey. Alright. He actually was looking to take somebody on. Alright, so obviously, <laughs> let's. I want us to completely focus on some of the sticking points that we have in this film. Okay. <laughs> okay, so now let's get back to what we would call, I guess, the B plot? B plot. <laughs> well, is, do you want to just wrap up the A plot then? Because the I mean, what what's what's next? Sure. Ray gets she gets tempted and she gets for some reason she has that stupid Skywalker telepathy where she can tell where people are, and then she she starts having full on conversations with uh, she starts having full on ass conversations with uh, Kylo Ren. Very Return of the Jedi, not exactly the same thing, but it, it is it, it felt like that times like a hundred. <laughs> Yeah, but that's what I mean. It's like, again, a lot of Return of the Jedi when we watched it was about Luke trying to bring Darth Vader back to the dark side. Oh my god, I swear to god, if she's a Skywalker, I'm going to pummel... Okay, I'm going to pummel J.J. Abrams. Best decision that Ryan Johnson makes in this film... And something that I swear to God, I hope not, that hope J.J. Abrams does not reverse course on, is the fact that, yes, they revealed that Ray's parents are nobodies. Yeah, but he could have lied. That's all J.J. Abrams would have to be like. If you can write away any of the problems Well, that's I'm, what I'm saying, I'm is that what I appreciated about this is that it just happened to be, hey, guess what, they're dead. They because are super <laughs> dead. I killed them. I think Star Wars They works. were delicious. <laughs> Kylo Ren eats people. <laughs> Canon. I, I, I think Star Wars works best when it's when the purpose of it is that anyone can be a Jedi. Yep. But you know what? She's gonna be Emperor Palpatine's granddaughter. <laughs> no. Don't say stupid shit like oh, that. Oh my god, kill me. Because guess what? Everything in Star Wars is interconnected, baby. Oh, fuck my life. So anyway. <laughs> After they, you know, like Ray's resolved completely in trying to redeem Ben. Meanwhile, we get a cameo from everyone's favorite Jim Henson puppet. That's not Kermit the Frog. Everyone greatly applauded this in the theater. I, I don't remember would, how people felt. In my I theater. cannot. How was it? No, I don't remember. Uh, like I could not believe it, and I was very excited. I was not expecting to see Yoda ever again in the Star Wars film. So it was a wonderful surprise. You know what I really like is that it's Return of the Jedi Yoda. Uh, it's Empire Strikes Empire? Back Yoda. Yeah. It's no, I mean both because he was a dick in both. <laughs> the point is, this is dickish Yoda, yes. where Luke is really happy to see him, and then he's like, "I'm gonna burn the text," and then he can't do it, so Yoda does it for him. And then Yoda just and then laughs. laughs. <laughs> Like yeah, yeah. Yoda hitting Luke with his cane and laughing at him is the way I want to remember Yoda forever. Yeah, people forget Yoda was a dick. Like, <laughs> and but it, it's really important because he gives he gives Luke the important understanding of that. You know what? Sometimes the 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 importance of the Jedi isn't the text and it isn't the tradition. It's the people, right? Right. And the thing is, uh, let's get into it now. But one of the reasons why Kylo Ren is evil in this film is because he was trained as a Jedi, and there was a issue between he and Luke, and he, you know, he found out that Ben was very 
prone susceptible to the dark side mm-hmm. and almost you know obviously considered killing him at one point it's the rigidity of the jedi and it's what they'd been fighting against for at least the past 60 years that we've been watching these movies like that take place in the universe right and it's like they even say in the original trilogy that only the sith i'm sorry not the original but the prequel trilogy that the only sith deal in absolutes but for some fucking reason, the Jedi have this crushing fear of the Sith, where they only view them as an absolute, you know? Which Rey does not. No, she's the only one that doesn't the same way Luke didn't with his own father. Exactly. And that part is really interesting that he falls back into that rigid Jedi mindset of you're either for the good of the Force or bad, bad dark side of the Force, right? Mm-hmm. And... It's like he 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 became what he hated to a certain extent. And I and like I said, honestly, that's one of my favorite things in this movie. Watching Luke's arc and how he progresses and how he you know, and then especially that moment where he talks to, to Yoda and Yoda tells him, you know, I'm paraphrasing because I'm not gonna do the stupid Yoda voice. <laughs> but it's where he says, um, it's the student's job to surpass the master. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, that's because that's exactly what he did with Yoda and with Ben, you know, and that's exactly what Ray is gonna do with him. Um, Which is exactly what this cast is going to do to the old cast. Okay, supplant it. That's the meta down. aspect of it. There just, is a meta aspect. There is a meta. Shut up. Just <laughs> shut your face for two seconds. Like your your boner is really fucking loud, and it's like hitting the mic. All right, are you gonna actually say something? Or are you just gonna sit here and complain about? No, nah, I'm I'm, I'm complaining over you fucking getting all excited. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting all excited. Okay, settle because down. This is really good writing. To me. Uh, this this is good writing. Yeah, I, the other the other ninety minutes of horseshit I sat through was not. All right, well let's get into the other let's plot get because in, the other plot. Oh yeah, let's get into the other fucking plot. <laughs> because the other shit plot. ass plot. You want to talk about the fucking casino planet? Let's talk about the shitty ass casino planet. All right, planet. but before we get into that, no, part, we're of the casino at, planet. part of why they're at the casino planet. Sorry, I got no, I got excited. I'm sorry. Why they are at that casino planet is because they need to, they they really can't allow themselves to just die and retreat. So stupid. Which is what, which is what Admiral Holdo is that is <laughs> the character? Oh, Hordo. <laughs> No, that's a double check. The, she has uh, a, basically shut uh, up, it's Laura, Laura Dern. Dern. <laughs> <laughs> like we're not gonna. I'm sorry. I don't care what her character name is. She's Laura Dern. Yeah. And Laura Dern. It's really funny because her hair is a different color in this, and I know exactly why that is because this movie came out the same year that Twin Peaks, the uh, third oh, season, yeah, yeah, came yeah. out. And Laura Dern is a character in that film, and one of the things in that film, Show. for some unexplainable reason, her hair color is different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's actually vulgar and prickly and angry in that, just like she is here. And just like she is in F is her family. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna bug me because... Holdo, you're right. It is H-O-L-D-O. Yeah. I fucking Hold knew it. O. <laughs> it's just a stupid name. Well, so... So they kind of splinter off from the from the Leia group because of what the explosion that happens. And okay, Leia so has her... they end up get... oh my fucking god! <laughs> you might look into oh my so fucking god! So they so fucking General Hux launches an attack and fires at the bridge. Yes, 
Um, killing Admiral Akbar. Very bold move to kill everyone's favorite fish, Admiral. R.I.P. Akbar. <laughs> he's the real, per, like he's the real uh, loss in this movie. <laughs> and then everyone on the bridge immediately dies. Mm-hmm. And Leia floats off into space, and you're like, "Oh shit! This is how she dies." She doesn't die. <laughs> what happens? She has magical force powers that were never alluded to ever before. Yeah, and which she is, floats which, her way back. Which lets me totally honest. There's a couple different things about this. One of them is we don't know what the force all does. So it does not like you can introduce a new force power that you've never seen before. No, that is part of the purpose not, of a movie. Okay, the problem is that is the, part of the purpose. No, listen, of listen. Movie. The problem isn't the force power itself. It's that someone suddenly gets a force power that bothers me. We haven't seen her for thirty years. We have no idea what she's learned in thirty years. That's a huge fucking. More suspension disbelief, but go no, ahead. No, because continue. there are things that Leia may be able to do that Luke was never able to do. They're like X Men in that way. Oh my fucking god! <laughs> you, Actually, what's he? More, you are grabbing at fucking straws <laughs> right now. What's he more reminds me of is Mary Poppins. Now that, that looked like Disney. Mary Poppins. Well, it's a Disney property, which now, now right? makes me think of Yondu. So if anything, <laughs> she was Yondu. Well, I really, I, I have to admit, I don't have a problem with this scene. I think it's fine. Of course, you don't have a fucking problem I with this scene. I absolutely. I don't think it's a big deal, and I it's, don't understand it's just, why it's a big it's deal to everyone else. Stupid. Okay, to I suddenly introduce a character to have powers. She's been, that's like Batman suddenly. Oh God, I can literally turn into a swarm of bats, but I chose to never use that. Okay, power Batman until has now. comic books that have existed, which there are different things. That oh, you can do and the in, the so we're gonna act like everything was no longer canon. All the extended. Oh no, yeah, that's right. But the you extended can, universe is dead. Okay. Okay, how about this? We've never seen bat sonar before, and Dark Knight introduces bat sonar. Uh, we have seen bat sonar. Not the way that they show it in, in Dark Knight. In year one, we saw it. Yeah, but not the same way we see it in Dark Knight. Yeah, but that's a fucking gadget. It's not a fucking power. You know what Batman Yeah, because has? Batman money. has powers. He has a shit ton of money and white privilege. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he gets away with everything he does. I don't know. I don't have a problem. Uh, to, again, I don't think it's a big deal. And I think one of the reasons why people pick on this as something that they don't like is because they just want to find reasons not to like this movie. It's pretty easy to find a reason not to like this movie. And then to ha- not have it explained is like the worst part. I don't think it Which needs I'm to be sure explained. it's gonna. <laughs> I really don't. No. I don't think it needs to be a plot point I'm in the film. I'm going to fucking throw you off the balcony. <laughs> It's insulting to the intelligence of your audience. And I get it. If you're playing the long haul and it's like everything will be revealed in the third movie, I'm going to look like a fucking moron. But until then, until three weeks from now when I'm getting definitive answers, I'm going to be a bitch about this. I'm going to be super mad. All right. Yeah. Well, be mad. I will be mad. Stay mad. I will stay mad. Good. Stop. Get off black Twitter. God. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, this plan. This plan they come up with to go to the stupid casino fucking episode one planet. Yes. Why couldn't they just tell Laura Dern? I don't have a problem with the subplot of them going to the casino planet. I have. I think you need to escape the ship and I need... I I think think it's really stupid because if you've established... 
There's only 18 hours left of fuel. And then you're going to have, you know, two of your main characters fuck off on a side quest. It's like one of two things are going to happen. Either the side quest is going to be super rushed or it's just going to feel incongruent with the rest of the plot. And that's kind of both of those things kind of happen. Because everything that takes place on the on the uh, on the uh, casino planet is just happens so you know rapid fire. You you don't really get a chance to really digest everything that goes on in that scene I'm or okay in those with, scenes. I'm okay with that subplot. You I'm... don't even get the right guy. You don't even get the right code breaker you were supposed to find. You. You know, you well. It's not like you had a ton of details about the code breaker. First of all, all Plus, you need happenstance was- is how this stuff happens all the time. When Luke and uh, Obi Wan go into the cantina in Episode Four, Han Solo is not the guy they're looking for. They're not looking for any guy. They're That's just, what I'm saying. They're just trying to get up. This it's- one, they actually have someone they're looking for, and they go through painstakingly obvious reasons to be like, hey, look, there's that dude's stupid red flower on his lapel. That's the guy we're looking for. And then you fuck off for the rest of the movie, which is, don't get me wrong, I like Benicio Del Toro, so I'm not complaining in that sense. But I'm like, so you go do that and you don't even get the right fucking guy. <laughs> sure, but at least in this scene, because of all the hijinks that occur. Oh, no, don't even get me start. <laughs> yes, let us have hijinks while our friends die. I'm fine with that. You fucking. I, if, if you're not okay with it, no. If you're I'm going to shoot you into the sun. By okay, the how about today. this? How about this? People who listen to this podcast and have a big problem with the fact that they're mixing stuff that's serious with stuff that's goofy and campy and silly, then you better not fucking enjoy Marvel movies. I do not. I hate Marvel. So try again. Alright. <laughs> you know I hate Marvel movies. <laughs> I mean, no, but that's not the thing. Because like, I swear, the same people. It is not the, the same. It is, it is so much the same. You are shit. Marvel movies people, don't tell aren't trying to tell a story like an allegorical story about failure. They all those movies pretty much follow the hero's journey to the T. You know, and this movie is very clearly entrenched from the beginning. The heroes fuck up and they're going to lose. And the problem is that, oh, yeah, that is a very dark subject matter I got to handle. But <laughs> look at us. We're riding horses. <laughs> I, I think this movie does enough to keep it from being ultra serious and ultra forced the way Infinity War was. Like, this movie does that stuff right. It's a Disney property. This movie is doing the stuff that I hated in another film in a much better way because the, the humor in it is okay with me. I don't have a giant problem with it. I don't... The, the, you can have humor. That's fine. The action Again, film, having an entire action 20 scene. minute... Sure. But the action scene in this where they are being riding those uh, alien creatures... That they are the stupid space horses. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I do like the line that Rose gives, where she's like, "I just want to put my fist through this whole stinking town." That's the other thing. Too. I'm like, that was cool. One of the things I appreciate about this film as well is the fact that we live in a world where things aren't black and white anymore. And what you were talking about with the Jedi is that everything was, is that you know, it's not all light and dark. Mm-hmm. And this film actually introduces the fact that, yes, there is so much gray. There is so much in There's between. There's people making money selling guns. Like, yeah, like the way uh, Benicio Del Toro says, DJ. He's like, you know, oh, this guy's a bad guy. He sold he sold guns and ships to the bad guys. 
and the good guys when he gets to the X-Wing, right? So, yeah, you're right. Like, it does highlight that part. It also highlights... You can do that in a way there. you it also, don't... The thing is... That you the, don't introduce an incongruous The reason the why this is movie. critical and important to the plot is because it also introduces that there's other issues in this galaxy, like classism. You... Ex- you... Think you spend the entire time it's a very thinking. Woke take of you, I'm just saying. <laughs> Look, I'm that just... is not the important part of this film. No, but okay. okay. All right. How about this? All you've watched in terms of the political discourse in Star Wars is everything from the perspective of senates, right? You mm-hmm. are seeing stuff. It's essentially C-SPAN in space, is what we talked about with the original trilogy, with the mm-hmm. prequel trilogy, right? Ah, so, you do it too. So this so this movie now is showing you how that affects the actual people that exist in this world. And it's not just people on sand planets. And it's not just people in woods. It's not just these cute, weird-looking alien creatures. It's people that are living in different parts of the galaxy. Where there is casinos. Where there are these wonderful buildings. Where there is a wide gap of wealth that unfortunately seems very how do i put it it is very current in the world that it's we're very living tangible. in now it's something we understand it's something very poignant and it's not something that you can highlight without jumping into this part of it and you see they did an entire movie about that very same thing when they did solo <laughs> i mean i think this where where solo thought the only way he was going to meet back up with amelia clark is if he joined the military <laughs> Yeah, but I think this is better. (laughs) I think this is better than than that. It's like ramming my head up against the wall. I swear (laughs) to Christ. (laughs) You don't even want to hear the logic and facts. (laughs) So, they, um... The other thing I want to talk about, I think one of the other reasons why I hate the fucking Casino Planet, which I need to name, Canto Bite. There we go. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons why I don't like Canto Bite is it feels very uh, episode one through three. It's just a big, opulent CGI fuckfest, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. And I think bar- I think viscerally it just gave me PTSD <laughs> to the fucking prequel trilogy, and that's one of the reasons why I don't like it. Aside from you know the fact that you have this fuck off adventure in the middle of your like. You, it's supposed to be a dark and gritty war movie, which isn't that what you've always wanted for the series. The other thing, this one isn't that big, but you notice when they call what's her name Maz when they call Maz, Maz Sonata, yeah. You notice that. So what? What the fuck is she like talking into? I have no idea what she's doing in this <laughs> because film. she's but fighting. I like, but I do like that she's here. I do. Yeah, I do like it. that she's here. It's just super weird. In the, the first, in Force Awakens, well, I no, feel no, like no, I her don't... allegiance was a lot more nebulous. Whereas what I do like is that in the short scene that she's in now, is that she does feel more, more connected to the what characters. Do you mean it's in nebulous. Film. She gives Ray the fucking lightsaber. Yeah, but she looks like she's someone who does things out of opportunity. Nah, I got the vibe that she was like, "Oh, I always wanted to fuck Chewie." Well, mostly because she says yeah, it. Yeah, that part she actually says. And then she's like, now I gotta be good because that sweet, sweet, chewy dick. <laughs> but anyway, it, no, it, what I mean is like, I'm not nitpicking and this isn't a reason why I have a problem with this movie. But it was just weird that she was like talking to a communicator that was like flying around and following her while she's having this trade dispute. Or the union dispute. I was like, what? 
So at this point is kind of where all the all the plots start converging, right? Yes. So DJ Rose and Finn uh, find their way onto the Star Destroyer, not the uh, Dreadnought. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, Ray, after confronting Luke and finding out the truth as to why he attacked uh, Ben, ended up going into a weird space sarcophagus and shooting herself at the dreadnoughts <laughs> where she's immediately captured by uh kylo ren who takes her before uh supreme leader snoke and this entire time the first order has been chasing oh here's a big thing so the first order can can um can track them through hyperspace Yes. That's the big thing, right? That's why they can't just keep hyperspacing around, right? Right. And that is exactly why, because they're also low on fuel and resources, that is why this subplot even occurred, and that is also the reason why they can't just jump into hyperspace to get out of this situation. (laughs) Now, here's a problem, another problem I have with the film, with the shitty writing. If the First Order... Could have, you know, has dreadnoughts and a bunch of star destroyers, and they actually don't have limited resources. You know, if I'm supposed to believe the first order is a bunch of fucking, and this is what I'm talking about. It wasn't that the the resistance wasn't beaten by a better enemy; they were beaten because they were stepping over their own dicks, and that's only because the first order was too busy stepping over their own dicks as well. <laughs> And the reason why I say that is because why couldn't the First Order just set up a blockade? Or why couldn't they have, like, a small contingent of other ships, like, cross their path? Why couldn't they just, like, overtake them? Like, it just seemed really weird to have your big bad that's replacing the Empire be so utterly fucking useless. (laughs) And that's what I'm talking about, them being incompetent, you know? So now continuing the whole hyperspace problem... Um... You know, DJ, uh, Rose, and Finn have this plan to disable the tracker because it would only be on the lead ship. And in that time, jump into hyperspace so that they can't be tracked as to where by the rest of the, uh, by the rest of the, um, the First Order. Good plan on paper, right? Fucking excellent plan on paper. (laughs) What they don't factor in is that you know, the first of all, the wrong guy you pick up to begin with. <laughs> yeah, but because the he's guy who very allegiances are nebulous. The guy who very clearly said his services go to the highest bidder, and that will have no problem betraying anybody at any given point, which ends up betraying you. Han and Lando are guys like that. Yeah, I mean, Lando was by the time he betrayed Han. Again, these are not outlandish. But it's like, why are they so surprised they got betrayed by the guy who told them, hey, I will betray you? Hey, same reason why the characters in the original trilogy get surprised when that happens with Lando. Nah, stupid. Alright, whatever, I don't care. (laughs) I'm just telling you right off the bat. Okay, another character that we actually have not talked about a single time in this entire episode yet. Bet. We see Supreme Leader Snoke in this film. Yeah, that's because for he's the first time. And that's because he's the MacGuffin. All right, in what we're way? just there to grab him. 
Um, nice. What did you expect him to look like? Well, when that's you the thing. We already saw what he looked like, and I was kind of hoping he would be a big ass giant. Well, he looked like a giant, like a naked giant. Yeah, I, was, I wanted him to be a naked giant. I wanted him to be an engineer from. <laughs> you know what uh, he Prometheus. looks like in this film? He looks like those coffee aliens from Men in Black, just with a giant like geisha robe. He looks like fucking <laughs> Gumby if Gumby did hard drugs. <laughs> But yeah, like he looks, oh, he looks all fucked up. And how do you, how do you? Okay, if we're going by the rules of the, well, if we're, if we're going by comparisons to the original trilogy, Snoke is essentially Palpatine. Yes. <laughs> Kylo Ren is Darth Vader, <laughs> and Hux is Grand Moth Tarkin. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do these characters stack up to those characters? And what do you have a problem with the characterization They're that he has? all incompetent. <laughs> <laughs> the, I, like I said before, all of the First Order sucks at their job. The difference about this film as opposed to the original trilogy is that in, in the original trilogy, the Emperor is the one who stays evil. Darth Vader turns, turns from the dark side at the end of Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. In this film, you get the opposite. Ben looks like he's there. There's a possibility to turn him, and he actually ends up being the one that usurps Supreme Leader Snoke, mm-hmm. which is an awesome subversion of the original trilogy for mm-hmm. me. No, I. You know what? That part also not bad. The connection between he and Ray is one of the things that really works for me. And by the end of the film, where he essentially wants her to join him so that they can rule the galaxy together. And then you also learn that Snoke, Snoke knows that, that, um, why am I blanking on his name? Kylo Ren is a bad Sith Lord. So he's, and he admits in, to stoking the flames and pushing him and Rey to confronting each other as a way to harden, uh, Kylo Ren and he can become the Sith Lord he's meant to be. Which to right? me, I think he's a much better character in this film than Force Awakens. Who? Kylo Ren or yes, Snoke? Kylo Ren. For I think both reasons, of them are great. I he's think. less of a petulant child than he was in the last one. He's now that he's not wearing the mask anymore, he feels a lot more of a different character. As he destroys to a the mask. Like yeah. it was really cool. Like, in the I last film, he was great. more of a wannabe Darth Vader. He still is childish, and you know has his own issues with anger that still plague him as he goes into this film. But I think he's just a much better overall character than he was last time. You know, in Force Awakens, he's that kid that tries to be emo, even though his parents are super rad. And they'll be like, hey, honey, wear your jacket. And he's like, fuck you, mom. And then just like listens to Slayer. And <laughs> Is and he also like the new metal of Star Wars? No, he's a, he's more the screamo of Star Wars. <laughs> because Anakin is new metal of Star Wars. But, you know, it's like he... Because, I mean, yeah, he has two of the best parents, arguably, in the entire galaxy. Who, even though he slaughtered a bunch of kids and, you know, turned evil, they still love him. Yeah. And, but. yeah, but you know what? His, his his arc in this movie is very well done. And I really do appreciate it. I thought Snoke was a really good villain. Um... 
The it's... whole scene in the red room is awesome. Mm-hmm. Between the lightsaber battle and just like... Well, let's clear up where everything is going right now. Because this is the part of the film where things get a little wild. And if you're this is not... where shit takes off like a freight train. And if you're not focused, it could be easy to get lost. So... The you have Finn, Rose, and DJ who are getting off this you know planet that they were in. They get captured by Phasma and the the First Order soldier stormtroopers, and they're um, all about to be executed because turns out JD cannot be trusted. Who would have guessed? And uh, Kylo Ren draws Rey to the ship to Supreme Leader Snoke, so that's how Rey gets there with him. Yep. And then hold the Holdo's plan is to Oh my fucking god. I love this plan. And I it, think I, it's mm. I think it's great. She plans to evacuate the remaining no, the, resistance the, members using the escape ships. No, the plan isn't a problem. You know what my biggest problem was is why couldn't they have told Poe from the beginning? <laughs> the point of this is that Poe is gonna be the new leader of the resistance. That is a cop out. <laughs> I'm fine. There with is, that. there is, there is. N- if he, it, that's even worse. If he's supposed to be the new leader of the resistance, why didn't they tell him the plan? Because of that reason, more people die. If he would have known the plan from the well, beginning, no, I think the thing is too. When you're someone who is a higher ranking officer and you're in charge of a lot of people, you have to make these decisions. That so are that's even worse because that means, as a big fuck you, big dick swinging move, they stop. They, they <laughs> you're doing that thing I do when you when you say some shit that annoys me, but that's actually worse. Is that if you know you have a maverick dude that's going to do whatever the fuck he wants, he's going to go do that no matter what. So you might as well sure. keep him on the plan. Sure. What Holo does is is poor. It's awful. You're always on Poe's side, much like you are earlier in the film when I he is disobeying Leia. I was not on his side. All right. Well, like, I was I'm, on his side from the beginning, and I'm on his side at the end. Yeah, but that's because I am against... have a boner for Oscar Isaac, though. Yeah, but I have a boner for this character because what this character does, I get on board with. That's that's bad. All right, well, fuck you then. You're you're one of the dudes that oh. gets killed in the bomber. Like, all right, cool. Then let me fucking die in the bomber. Then. I will let you die on the fucking bomber. At least I'll die a fucking hero that- and someone who actually helped the resistance. All right, cool. And then, and then you can sit there and be a little bitch boy though. <laughs> you know what I'm gonna be doing? I'm gonna be on the fucking casino planet, and I'm gonna be drinking, and I'm gonna have one Twilight chick, and then another Twilight chick, and one of those things, whatever one of those fucking Kit Fisto things was. Drunk out of your mind, sticking coins inside of a BB-8. Let's <laughs> <laughs> play kickball. <laughs> How does this turn into my bachelor party all of a sudden? <laughs> anyway, so that fucking plan was. Like sure, it's an awful plan. It's no, no, stupid. no, it's not. It's not You're the... talking about failure. You are talking about things that people do that don't work. But what I do appreciate about this is that Holdo actually allows everyone else to evacuate, and her master plan is to destroy Snoke's ship by <laughs> shooting in the hyperspace <laughs> and exploding herself. <laughs> Which, by the way, if we can do that from the beginning. <laughs> Why is it the First Order just shooting ships into hyperspace and planets? That seems a lot more cost effective. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking... That fucking 
kind of funny when you think that. It's so stupid. But it's so awesome. It's... It's how you would plan to resolve something like that as a kid. Like, if I was playing with toys, like with Star Wars toys, well, I'm just going to hyperdrive and I'm going to kill your shit. It's like if you and I were playing Star Wars toys with each other. And you know, like that game where, where like someone tags you and you're like, no, I have a mutiny tagged. That's exactly what that's like. It's like, oh, we're going to shoot you. Oh, well, that's fine because I'm just going to shoot myself into you. I'm just gonna shoot my ship at you. <laughs> I was not expecting to laugh at this because when I watched it in the movie, I actually it's thought so it was, serious. I love it in the movie, but now that we're talking about it, I literally can't stop. <laughs> it's like, oh no, well, I'm gonna beat you. No, I'm gonna shoot myself at you because you're fucking dumb. Oh, dude. And what's funny is, I don't know how it happens, or like, because I also don't understand hyperspace and physics because I'm stupid, <laughs> but it doesn't just destroy Snoke's ship, it destroys every ship behind Snoke's ship. <laughs> Like, it's super destructive. Well, it's like, this thing probably exploded into pieces, so and the pieces have, like, blown up on their ships. So they're shooting at, like, a million times the speed of light? Yeah. I'm just like, again, why don't we just shoot more ships at each other? It's one of those things where it's like, okay, I'll give you this. It is a convenient thing to happen at a convenient moment. Oh, because God. this happens at the exact same time that Ray is about to be killed, quote-unquote, by Kylo Ren. Yeah. And when Rose and Finn are about to be killed by Captain Phasma and all these stormtroopers. Where they're about to, like, essentially, like, they have, like, a... A uh, weird a light sword. Yeah, it's like, like a weird electric axe that's gonna <laughs> cut their heads off. Um, in... So the Ray and Kylo Ren thing, I think, is awesome. The Red Room is the the whole entire scene. The Red Room is fucking great. It's great. It's you great know? because I obviously I never I never thought of Snoke being that big of a threat. He seems like someone who's you know much like Grievous. Yeah, <laughs> is someone who who literally just exists to be evil. Yeah. Uh, there's not a lot that you learn about him. I don't care about him as a character. Mm, but but I, you learn he's pulling the strings, and that's what makes him very interesting. I and love the idea that uh, that Kylo decides to kill him, and that he's gonna be and, and how he does it too. It's so cool. It, it it also I appreciate the dialogue that he has with Ray because that's when he says it's time for all of it to end, the Jedi, the Sith, essentially saying that again, much like what I was saying, this is gonna go in a completely different direction than it's ever gone before. Mm-hmm. And even if this film isn't what you wanted, it gave me the impression that if once we get to episode nine, episode nine is gonna blow the rules up even more. Which one of the things that kind of, not disappoints me, but makes me a little hesitant now, is that I feel like when we get to the next episode of this, is that we are going to go into a regression back to seven. Yeah, pretty much. I have, <laughs> I have a feeling. But, you know, I just want to say that the lightsaber fight with the Red Guards is cool. Yes. You know, right after Kylo, uh, Kylo he turns on um, Ray's lightsaber as Snoke is describing what's happening because he says he sees Kylo turning on the lightsaber and unleashing it and he just doesn't see which one because it's actually Kylo using the force 
he ends up cutting um he ends up cutting uh Snoke in half mm. and that starts this fight between the, him and the elite guard and it's a pretty brutal fight um it uh, this scene I can look past how un- inexperienced Ray is with the lightsaber or fighting or life but just because it's really cool and, yeah. you know you have these really cool scenes where she's working with uh Kylo Ren together she even ends up saving him by, you know, tossing his lightsaber at her. Or, I'm sorry, she tosses her lightsaber at him <laughs> so that he can use it to kill she the guy. She tosses his lightsaber at herself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! She just, like, flips it in the air. And, you know, they they um, end up killing all these guards off. And that's when she realizes that Kylo can't be redeemed because... You know, he she asks him to stop the to stop the attack on the rebels, and that's when he says what you said that he, it's time for all of it to end, right? Yeah. Uh, but she refuses, and that starts a t- a tug of war using the force on her lightsaber, <laughs> yes. which then causes it to blow up. <laughs> yeah. Which that the lightsaber is destroyed at the same time that that Laura Dern has shot her ship in the Snoke ship. <laughs> and meanwhile, uh, you know, during the melee that's going on, um, you know, Finn actually becomes a hero again. Yes. <laughs> because he once again finds his love for the Resistance. And he... You know, he gets it, he gets his redemption, you know? He fights back against Phasma, ends up killing her. Now, how do you feel about when Finn says Chrome Dome? Or when they use words like hell? Or when Poe refers to the, the big door, the blast door, when they're on that planet? And he calls it the big ass door. <laughs> the reason, and the, not in the sense that it's like bad writing, but mm-hmm. how do you? It feels like anachronistic to me. Like it doesn't fit in with the rest of Star Wars. I don't know. How do you feel about like that casual using casual things that we use in like vernacular? Well, I think it's just one of those things that makes it feel more like the world we live in. I fucking hate you. I, I, again, I don't have a problem with it, and I don't think about it that much. If I do. you hadn't have brought it up, I really wouldn't have thought about it. It was, I don't know, it, it's weird. And again, it it's also, just one of those things it also that feels it very fit. Marvel, because if you watch Guardians of the Galaxy, it's essentially a series of movies where Chris Pratt is in space and treats everything like it's not that big a deal. And talks like someone who's from Earth. Because he is someone from Earth! Yeah, fine. But again, it, it's it's that kind... The fact that we are now conditioned to see things that way because these movies exist, it's not that big a deal. I mean, it's not that... No, you're right. For the it's, absolute same it's reason... It's not a big deal. It's just absolute weird. absolute reason why if we saw the same thing in a Justice League movie, it really wouldn't ring that false. No, but those are different because those actually take place on Earth. It, there's a lot of these cosmic, like, space superhero stories as well. I hate you. <laughs> like, uh, you're... You get... I get nitpicky about weird things, and you get nitpicky at other things to defend your thing. I, to me, it's just not that big a deal. Like, all it's I'm just, saying uh, is that just, it just... It doesn't, it, it doesn't fit. You're looking for reasons. I'm not looking for reasons. I'm just telling you. I know it's a weird thing. I know it's a me thing. 
I think I've had very legitimate gripes with everything up until now. Like, the, the, the fucking word usage is kind of one of the less things I should be bitching about. <laughs> but I, I 100% agree. It's a me thing. Yeah. All right. So, the survivors of this whole thing, they are all the on fucking the... 40 people. <laughs> <laughs> They're all on crate. And one of the things about Kray is that when you see it, it looks a lot like Hoth, right? So wait, is this the stupid Jedi crystal planet? It's not a crystal. Well, it's the salt, it's a salt planet, right? And it's your hometown, fucking <laughs> salty ass. <laughs> Which, you know, obviously it looks like snow everywhere that you see. But, but it it's is all salt. delicious and salt. One, and one of the neat things about it... <laughs> Why does that make me laugh? Have your delicious salt. <laughs> Welcome, salt lord. <laughs> but uh, whenever you like drag something across the floor, for some reason it turns the color red. But I like that. I don't know if that's how salt works. <laughs> well, it's how salt works on this planet. <laughs> Oh my god, so... But it takes, again, it takes you back to uh, to Empire Strikes Back. We have the AT-ATs back. I know, everything is... The AT-ATs are back, they have more TIE Fighters. Um, they, and yeah, they pretty much have to jerry-rig these weird, like, skimmers? Like, salt skimmers? Mm-hmm. Into... Into, like, some sort of fighter. Because... Well, the purpose, Essentially, of the, the purpose of the climax of this film is you are reaching the point where it looks like all hope has been lost, mm-hmm. right? Like, they are all surrounded. There's not very many of these people left. Uh, Snoke is they no longer there. They started Right. Snoke is no longer there. Kylo Ren is now the leader. He is now the supreme leader of the First Order, and they I am refer the supreme to him. leader. <laughs> they refer to him as such. Um, she wants everything in there destroyed. That's why they bring that giant light cannon. That all the- yeah. So pretty much, they they lock up with this giant bay door that's gonna protect them. And Kylo's answer is a big ass laser cannon that's gonna shoot. That would be my answer to everything. I like how the answer in Star Wars is pretty much shoot something big and stupid at it. Well, especially with Kylo. Kylo's thing is either either break it or shoot it. Yeah, pretty much. So our heroes have to launch an offensive against um, against this giant cannon in the First Order. And when they're being, when a bunch of their ships are getting, a bunch of the ships are getting taken out by the uh, Tie Fighters, uh, that's when the Millennium Falcon comes in in a huge, you know, quick save moment, and makes the Tie Fighters disengage, and you know, uh, Ray and Chewie are able to take out a bunch of them, right? And then there, it's everyone else taking making a suicide run right at this at this uh, giant laser. And Finn is completely ready to sacrifice himself, feeling guilt over wanting to leave the the um, the resistance to begin with. Also, it should be noted the reason why he wanted to leave off the frigate to begin with was because he wanted to get the transmitter that Ray was going to follow to meet back up and rendezvous with everyone. A forgotten thing in this film is the fact that. At least in Force Awakens, Finn had some sort of feeling for Rey. 
And they don't... I feel like they, they kind of shy away from that here more and turn it into much more of a platonic relationship. But I, I don't have a giant problem with that. I don't care I about think, that. Yeah, I think like him being interested in But, her. I mean, he brought up a good point. Is that if the ships are getting destroyed and they're being chased by the First Order, why bring your best chance yeah. of winning onto a losing fight, you know? Right. So his plan was... That's the whole reason he wanted to escape to begin with. But he felt so much guilt over being this guy that didn't kind of fully buy in. That now he's fully bought into the rebellion. He's, he's essentially doing in. what Poe he's wanted a, to do in the beginning. He's essentially doing what he did in Force Awakens. Alright. <laughs> and he takes a shot right at the laser and, you know, against what Poe's saying. Because Poe realizes there's no point in you know having so many suffering so many losses right and he ends up breaking off with the rest of with the rest of the salt skippers yes and but at the last moment when Finn is about to go head on with this cannon that's when Rose like runs crashes into, into him right before the laser goes off and he's able to save her life and he's like what are you doing and to which she says I saved you stupid and then he's like, well, but I would have, you know, killed them. I would have destroyed them. And, and then she says, not like this. We don't, we don't, what was it? We don't fight what we hate. We protect what we love. And then kisses him. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> yeah, I'm not okay with this. I don't think, it seems like something that's very false. Again. It's so fucking preachy on your movie about failure. <laughs> well, it's also just a left field turn for me. Like, I get that they're... Like, to me, it's like, yeah, make them become friends. Fine. There doesn't have to be a romantic attachment to them. The same reason why there doesn't really have to be a romantic attachment between Finn and Rey. Yeah, at all. And The I, only people that should be getting it on are Finn and Poe. <laughs> And I will stand by that until the day I die. I'm all about pin, baby. Or phone. <laughs> but it's, again, it, it, it's just... This is the one part where I'll agree with you. I don't like this. I do like the fact that Rhodes is the one that saves Finn. Sure. Yeah, that would be I'm fine. okay with that. I'm just, like, yeah. The idea that she is in love with him... It's, she barely known this guy for 18 hours. Yeah, it seems a little Disney to me and not in the good way. And and, and honestly... I do like, like that this is when Rey makes her triumphant return with the Millennium Falcon, though. Oh, fuck yeah. That part's great. <laughs> because that is like... It's a wonderful throwback to uh, the... You know, to the like... Two classic Millennium Falcon uh, scenes. Yeah, where the Falcon always comes in for the save. It's awesome. Yeah. And... So they manage to get back to the base, and while they're trying to protect themselves, when all hope is about to be lost, suddenly a well-groomed and handsome Mark Hamill. I love. Okay, we. Have I love really, how he looks. I love how he looks, scene, yeah. and we haven't really talked about the music much. And it's not that it's like too different from what we no, saw in your, Force it's Awakens. Your standard, like, but the Star Luke, Wars the theme that plays when Luke returns, and you are building up to this moment. And I'm going to add it to the playlist on our podcast here. I love it. I think it's mm -hmm. awesome. I think the build up to this was great. The audience got that I was watched this movie with two times. The second, Mind you, the second time it was all business people who were there for a corporate function event. Those people were cheering. Uh, all those people got <laughs> fired. You don't want those people in corporate America. <laughs> 
But yeah, it was a really awesome and intense moment, you know? And you have the reunion. This is the first time Luke and Leia have been on screen the entire, like, new trilogy. Um, and, you know, it's a, it, it feels like a homecoming moment, right? And, you know, he gives that line. I, I think it was when he gives the line where he says nothing ever really ends or nothing truly ends. Yeah. Very, do, very Dr. Manhattan from The Watchmen. Had to tie that back. I, I do like the, the scene where he looks at Leia and says, you changed your hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when he goes outside, you know, <laughs> true to form, Kylo Ren says he wants every single gun to shoot at that man. Mm-hmm. And they all start blasting lasers and somehow Luke is completely unfazed. And he ends up confronting... Um, he ends up confronting... Uh, Kylo Ren on a one-on-one lightsaber duel. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the rebels are trying to find their way out. Uh, they find they find out the little weird ice foxes, salt foxes. They found a way out the back of the base, and there's a huge pile of rocks. Mm-hmm. And as they're struggling to get out, um, you know, Ray is actually able to find them. She's able to break apart the rocks, and uh, she's able to get the rest of the rebels onto the Millennium Falcon. Meanwhile, this only happens once Poe realizes that Luke Skywalker is actually buying time for the rebels. And the way he does this is he confronts and pretty much just challenges everything Kylo believes. Every everything about what he believes about the about the Force, the application of the Force, the Which idea. Which the of, symmetry of that to the beginning of this film is he kind of does that with Ray. Yeah. Where Ray, where he asks Ray to explain, you know, why she wants to be a Jedi and like all this other stuff, and then and then the line right after that is amazing. Everything you said was wrong. Yeah. And does the exact same thing with Kylo at the end of this. But yeah, because he says something that he's gonna kill the Jedi. The rebellion is done. The war is over. Mm-hmm. And he, yeah, a very good parallel. He says the everything you just said was wrong. The war has barely begun. The Jedi will rise. Luke has learned the lesson that Yoda gave him, meaning that the books and all that tradition that came with the Jedi isn't really what matters. What matters is the fact that you have a spark that like that really reignites this rebellion. And the, you know, the first you have something you didn't have before, and it's hope. Hey, it's what Star Wars is always about. Star Wars is always about. And that's why I would have preferred. Like, that's a cheesy line, but at least it's in line to Star Wars and better than you know, fucking protect or was it like protecting what we love? Like, I don't love anything. Yeah, I'm again. That's like that's the one area of this film where I am on board with you. I don't like it. So it goes to show you, though, you know, they start Which, in off, turn, makes me not really care that much for the character of Rose. Even though I know she's coming back. Yeah, and you know she's probably going to be a big part. So but we will like, see how that goes. So the, you, we go from 300 Rebels to just barely enough to be on the Millennium Falcon. And although it feels like a really dark time for the Rebellion and a very dark time for the universe... You know, we have that epilogue scene of the kids that were d- busy f- picking up all the horse, space horse shit. And you have the one kid who is retelling the story of Luke Skywalker. Ignoring, completely ignoring, ignoring the fact that there's no way for that kid to have found out what happened on that stupid ice planet. Ice salt planet. 
I mean, whatever. The the point is, any every how did anybody find out anything about Luke Skywalker? How does that get around? It's just one it's, of those things that you're. Yeah, you're I get it. The whole thing, it's about legends. It. It's uh, whatever. It's stupid, but right. I'm gonna look past it because the this kid walks outside and when he's gonna start sweeping up, he uses the force because anyone can use the force. This film is not that dissimilar. He from pulls another the movie fo- that came out he, that same year. That was a Marvel film, which I actually enjoyed as well. Thor Ragnarok. It is yes, not- Thor Ragnarok. Ragnarok. Ragnarok was fucking fantastic. Yeah, it was a great fucking movie with a very similar like, not a plot or a theme, but the Almost point is exactly the same because it ends with them going off of their old because world that Valhalla no longer exists no. anymore. Yeah, shit. What's it called? Not Valhalla. Is it Valhalla? No, but Ragnarok has occurred, which is essentially the end of the world that they live in. And it's so Anthony Hopkins is Yoda. <laughs> I mean, he kind of is because he has those dream sequences where he tells, where he tells Thor, "What are you, the god of hammers?" <laughs> which I fucking love that line. <laughs> but that's what I mean. It's like it, it's 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 one of those things where I don't understand the criticism that people have of it because my thing is. Why are you so okay with this here and you're not okay with it there? Oh no, I'm okay with it there. Like I'm okay with it on fucking uh, in Last Jedi. Why is it? So I actually much- really like the fact that there's a kid that suddenly has the power to use the Force because you saw that right where the yeah. kid pulls the um, the 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 um. Uh, broom. It's like a broom or some shit. Yeah. The point is, he pulls something using the forest, and then he ha- actually has the ring that Rose has that sh- you know shows she's a member of the Rebel Alliance. And like honestly, I don't hate it. I think it's really cool, and it shows that it it, it cements that fact that we do both enjoy that anyone can be a Jedi. I mean, at least it makes sense because it's in line with the fact that. You know, you're kind of supposed to know if someone can be a Jedi from childhood as opposed to being a 60, 70-year-old woman. That's not here nor there right now. But I thought it was cool to have that. And, you know, it ends with that Star Wars theme and roll credits. and Excellent. Mm. Which, let's get into it now. Mm. Javi, do mm. you like Star Wars The Last Jedi? No. <laughs> no, like, here's the thing. It's not a terrible movie. And like I told you guys, I've read a lot. I had to read. Yeah, it's an awesome movie. I had to sh- fucking shut your own dick. <laughs> it, it's I had to read a couple reviews and a couple articles about it because it is an actually very interesting phenomenon that's going on around this movie. In order to break away from the past, you have to break, actually break the past. Which is, you know, very, like you said, the meta commentary of where they want the series to go is the same meta commentary um, of what's going on in the movie. Yeah. Disney said all this other shit is not continuity anymore. We are now, this is the new continuity. And yeah, and that's fine. Like, I think one of the articles said a couple things that was really interesting. One, the reason why the biggest, like, divergence between the scores is the fact that. It's the fact that we watch things... You and I will watch movies differently than a critic will watch them. We watch them for entertainment value. Was I entertained? Yes, there were some parts where I was entertained. There were also a lot of parts where I wasn't entertained. Where I just couldn't suspend disbelief. That's fine. Those parts of the movie weren't meant for me. The Luke arc was totally meant for me. I fucking love that all throughout. 
But the rest, eh, not so much. Um, but when a critic watches it, they're watching the movie kind of talking about its artistic merit. They're talking about um, more than just the content, right? They're talking about everything that goes into the film. And that's one of the reasons why there's a giant like deviation between what us as Joe Blows running a podcast you know, enjoy about this movie and what your fucking movie critics enjoy about this movie, right? Ultimately, this movie was going to be the polarizing film no matter what. I felt that because this movie is the one that's trying to break the mold and be and separate this from just being another formulaic Star Wars movie, it was going to catch a lot of a lot of gripes no matter what. And that would have been fine. But the only thing is there is just so much required to of your audience to suspend disbelief. Like, there's just... I just can't excuse the bad script. And I can't excuse the fact that there was plot points that were introduced and in, in Force Awakens that aren't going to have payoffs. Or if they do, they're going to have completely different payoffs in um, Rise of Skywalker. What were the payoffs you were looking for? Knights of Ren. Did not get. Where what happened in the Knights of Ren? That would have been totally rad. I wanted to learn more about the Knights of Ren. What if the Knights of Ren are those kids that uh, are what? Are they going to be the kids that Kylo Ren kidnapped from the from the Jedi Order after he destroyed? There's nothing it? about this film that disproves that any of that other stuff existed. No, it's true. But you were expecting that. You're kind of you're kind of like. It's not like in a show where you can explain it a se- you can explain something a, a season later. You only have say 12 hours worth of films to make to explain whatever you're trying to tell, right? Which they very well could be doing in the next film. Yeah, I, I, again, if they do, I look like a dumb Especially dildo. Especially since the creator of that film is now returned. Yeah, and now that being said, if they do that, I I look like a dumb dildo, but I, again, the merit of that film won't affect this film because as of right now, this is where, you know, I'm just trying to treat it as to where it is now, you know? I can't treat it based on what it's going to be once uh, once Rise of Skywalker comes out. I can only base it on what's in front of me. And what's in front of me, I just don't like. You know what I'm saying? Now, that being said, like, I feel that the ending and the theme was really important to tell to keep telling the Star Wars story. Uh, obviously, I like this movie, and I have made my case for it while we have been watching it. My case obviously differs from yours. Um, I wish I could have seen Ryan Johnson continue his vision of Star Wars. I'm glad he's not. <laughs> I appreciated a lot of the decisions that this film made. I don't think it's perfect. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's the best Star Wars movie. Again, it's still no Empire Strikes Back. It is still no Rogue One. Mm-hmm. But to me, I think that there's a solid chance that unless Rise of Skywalker just blows the doors off my expectations, that this might be my favorite chapter in just this new saga. blows the doors off your own ass. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um... Yeah, I just want to say like a couple things. Another gripe I had is like I was telling you, rehashing of the same arcs for a lot of these characters. Um, but you know, I I can't applaud this movie enough on the risk it was willing to take 
on what they did with Luke and how how well it paid off. Right, because Luke is essentially force ghosting his way in this fight with Kylo Ren. Oh, we didn't even talk about how Luke died. Well, Luke dies because spoiler alert, guys, Luke dies. He was force ghosting himself. Force ghost himself to death. <laughs> and you know, I guess he expends so much energy that it was time for him to die. <laughs> he shot his force goo all over the place. <laughs> But it's just really interesting, like, definitely if you guys haven't rewatched this movie since the first time, give it a rewatch, see what you think of it, and, you know, again, I, I just said I was going to tie it into how, um, it, you, I was going to tie it into The Watchmen because I'm watching the series right now. It's really refreshing to see people, like, I also don't want to discourage anyone that's trying to create something based on an existing property to not try something new you know what i'm saying like it's okay one of the cool things about star wars angel and i talked about it many times before is one of some of our favorite movies don't have to be about the actual force users you know we both enjoyed rogue one we both enjoyed uh solo i enjoyed the pilot to the mandalorian people are losing their shit Mm -hmm. over the mandalorian it has nothing to do with jedi like uh, same thing like I'm saying with The Watchmen. The Watchmen, the series, it, it feels like it can take place in the same universe, but it's telling us a different story that's not highlighting the original Watchmen, you know? I'm like on episode seven, and I think it took them like five episodes to finally introduce um, Lori Blake. It took him forever to show who the Silk Spectre was. I still haven't seen um, Dan Draper. I still haven't seen Night Owl. And it's almost the end of the season. <laughs> you know, like, there's been no resolution of what happened to that character. And you know what? That that series is very, really enthralling. And it's somebody taking a chance on an existing intellectual property and telling a story, making it their own. For me, Last Jedi, unfortunately, didn't hit the same chord it hit with Angel. I mean, I still got to applaud him. They went out and tried it. You know? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I'm right and he's wrong. Uh, okay, yeah, unfortunately, yes. Unfortunately, you are. Don't hit me. I will beat your ass in front of all these people listening. I'm gonna start fighting you on this now. No, we already we fought for like an hour and a no, half. Sorry. Oh, you fucking bitch! I'm gonna beat your ass. All right, that was just a bit. <laughs> Obviously, just wanted to do that because we've been building up how much we we're gonna fight over this. Surprisingly, we didn't fight as much as we well. We disagreed a lot, but I think it's still similar to what we did when we watched Tokyo Drift, which was we both had so, our points to make on it, but, you know, we both know that it's an important chapter in a series. Uh, all right, cool. <laughs> fuck you then. <laughs> well, we're, I think we also understand we're not going to change each other's not minds, but if you guys want to try to change our minds on social media. Oh, yeah. Please go for it. Yeah. Um, I'm Javi Hates Things on Twitter. Uh, also known as... <laughs> I'm on Twitter now, so if you guys want to follow me there, I'll be talking about movies, TVs, and, you know, if you guys want to see me slowly decline into madness, feel free. I'm and for me, just follow the Instagram page for the podcast and give me what your opinions are on it. And I know that there's probably going to be a large contingent of people who listen to this show who disagree with what I said and who are going to be more on board with where you're at. Yeah, but you know what? I also want to say, if you hate it for the stupid reasons of, it's too PC, they're trying diversity, it's like, okay, that, that, have a better criticism than just, they put, you know, they put fucking 
Chinese people in my space dramas. <laughs> um, so definitely want to thank you guys for listening to this episode and continuing to follow the show. The show is starting to gain more popularity and it could just be because right around the corner is the rise of Skywalker. And uh, we've, we've kind of talked about it here and there. We are both... It's funny, this movie was a movie that I had not real much hype for when we first started doing this series. Now that we are both at the end of all the Star Wars movies in this franchise, like, keep in mind, this is it. We have reviewed all the Star Wars movies in this series right now, with the exception of Clone Wars and the Christmas special, I guess. Yeah. But, again, we And have, now the Mandalorian, and then... We have gone through about as much as we needed to with this show, and we are now only expecting the next film to be something we haven't seen before. Um... Cautious optimism. I think it could be a giant disaster, but I also think that there is a chance that maybe it'll be great. Um, Wait, are you talking about Star Wars or our next episode? The Rise of Skywalker. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, I was like, we're going to do great. I don't know about that movie. But, <laughs> um, but you know, I, I definitely thought that this was an awesome experience for us to do this year. And I think next year on the podcast, we definitely want to do this again where we pick a franchise that we watch, you know, films in that help us lead up to a big premiere. We're going to want to do James Bond movies and our our listeners are going to make us do Fast and Furious. <laughs> if you thought I had a boner for some of the Star Wars franchise movies, once we get into James Bond, I am going to go full nerd on everybody. <laughs> yeah, none of those are bad. <laughs> those are all fantastic. Oh no, movies. there are some awful ass ones, but none I none of those movies are problematic. Oh, there's so much problems in it. <laughs> and, uh, I love that movie with Pussy Galore in it. <laughs> um, but next week we will be back on the show and we are gonna make a sharp turn back into horror movies again. <laughs> Yeah, baby! <laughs> I'm very much looking forward to this. Uh, we want to go through and rewatch. Well, rewatch for me. I don't know. Have you ever seen Black Christmas before? I saw the one from 2007. Yeah. There was a remake, right? Yeah, there was a remake. And then there's, there's going to be another remake this year. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So there's a new Black Christmas that's going to actually premiere in theaters this month or next yeah, month. It's this month and it's PG-13, so we're <laughs> probably not going to watch it. But, but the movie we are going to go to is the 1974 uh, Black Christmas, which is a film directed by Bob Clark. You know who Bob Clark is? No. He's a director who, Did besides point. making this film... He also did porn. No, he also made the movie Baby Geniuses. <laughs> <laughs> so if you ever want to think about a director that's taken some like unexpected turns in his career, Bob Clark is definitely one of those guys. <laughs> Bob Clark needed a paycheck. <laughs> but we're, this movie also this, uh, features Olivia Hussey, who most people know from like that 60s version of Romeo and Juliet. And Margot Kidder is in it, who everyone loves as the 1978 Lois Lane from the original Superman films. Oh, she tore up. <laughs> well, well, by the time I saw her on uh, yeah. Lords of Salem, she's pretty <laughs> tore up. But uh, yeah, we'll be reviewing that film next week. We hope you guys continue to follow us, and we're looking forward to Rise of Skywalker. So thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us on this Star Wars series. Uh, and please continue to interact with us on social media. 
Continue to give us reviews on iTunes. Uh, download it on the platform of your choice. And talk to you guys next time. I'm Angel. And I'm Javi. Later, turds.